Hello, St. Louis, and welcome to the STL Leaders Podcast, hosted by Brian Bisking. Brian started this weekly podcast to give a voice to leaders of our community, to share their story, their journey, and the lessons that they have learned along the way. Brian grew up in a small town outside of St. Louis, where he watched his father run a small business and was always interested in how the leaders in his community got where they are. Whether it's a local business leader, a philanthropist, or a celebrity, these are your STL Leaders. Join us today, where we will chat with another pillar of our community on this week's episode of the STL Leaders Podcast. And now, your host, Brian Bisking. Hello, St. Louis, and welcome to the STL Leaders Podcast. We have a great show today with the CEO of Wings for Hope, Brett Heinrich. But before we get to today's episode, I want to thank my sponsors, NWO IT Services, Synchrony HR, Go Brand Go, Enterprise Bank and Trust, and the Tom James Company. And now to this week's episode with Brett Heinrich. Brett Heinrich, welcome to the STL Leaders Podcast. I appreciate you coming on here today. Hey, Brian, thank you so much. It's a delight to be here. Absolutely. Well, we uh, got connected by Jennifer Bardot, who's uh, not only a sponsor of this podcast, but also a great friend of mine over at Enterprise Bank and Trust. And I had the pleasure of coming out and viewing Wings for Hope and taking a tour of your organization. And uh, I'll be honest with you, I think I told you this at the time, I had no clue we even had something like that in our backyard here in St. Louis, which makes this podcast that much more fun because I get to meet people like yourself who I haven't met or uh, and, and go through places like your place that I haven't seen or been through. And then I get to share their story with our community here in St. Louis. So I'm excited to kind of dive in on that today. Um, and so I'll start right there, really, which is talk to us about Wings of Hope and the mission of your organization for all those who are listening who may not know the, uh, what you guys do. Well, thank you, Brian. Uh, Wings of Hope is certainly one of my favorite topics to talk about because it's an organization that lives up to its mission. We save and change lives every day through the power of aviation. And we've been doing that for 58 years. Uh, our origin dates, dates back to a flight that um, took place in Kenya. And our origin story is really kind of fascinating. There were four St. Louis area businessmen supporting a Catholic charities relief mission in a very rugged part of Kenya. And the Catholic charities group there was consisted of nuns who were also pilots. And so literally, Brian, some of the, the world's first flying nuns uh, <laughs> were, were at work in Kenya flying their aircraft into a, a real tough desert area that had gone through just tremendous drought and uh, desert-like conditions had worn on the airplane pretty heavily. And it was an older plane, uh, cloth-covered fabric on the wings. Uh, and what began to happen was those wings became tattered. 
And that led to another problem at night when the nuns would park their plane after a long day of service, the hyenas would come out and lick the underside of that tattered cloth because they loved the taste of the glue that held the fabric on the frame of the airplane. So then the nuns were having their plane literally eaten by hyenas. And our four St. Louis businessmen heard about this and said, well, we've got to help the nuns. So they raised the money, purchased an aluminum aircraft, had it flying, flown all the way over to Kenya. And that became the very first Wings of Hope uh, aircraft in service. Since that time, Brian, we have served in 51 countries, including 11 countries that we're active in today. And what that means, we reach into some of the world's most remote regions, uh, providing hope and healing for forgotten people, people who are not typically able to get to urban centers for health care, tribes in the Amazon rainforest, um, nomadic groups across the plains of Tanzania, people living in very remote uh, locations in Zambia and so forth. And it is so gratifying to be able to be part of this work that helps people literally all over the world reach for and achieve a better life. Absolutely. Well, and I think what's what's so interesting about really just the story there and the and the way the organization was really, you know, found and and how it's, you know, helping um, is that we have it right here in the backyard of St. Louis. And I mean, I don't know if anybody listened to this episode has ever watched a news channel or something along those lines where they come on and, and they talk about mercy ships and they talk about these organizations that are are really, you know, helping these third world countries and these these areas of our wor- our world that are underdeveloped and don't have the resources that we have right here in, you know, St. Louis and in the United States. And um, I, I never in my, my wildest dreams knew we had an organization just like that sitting right here in Chesterfield, Missouri. Uh, I think it's really neat that you guys, you know, what you guys do, obviously, but um, I think it's even cooler that you're in my backyard. Well, thank you so much, Brian. And, and you've, you've touched on something that we're working actively to address, and that's raising awareness of the organization. You know, we have been nominated twice for the Nobel Peace Prize, yet we have a hard time getting uh, public recognition for our work and, and raising awareness of who we are. So uh, really appreciate this opportunity to share the message of Wings of Hope with your listening audience. Absolutely. Well, and I think you, um, I think you hit a good point there, but, and I would assume, and and we're going to get into this probably here a little bit later, but most nonprofits probably struggle with the same thing, right? And that's getting their story out and what they're doing and how they're impacting, whether it's the community that they live in or, or uh, a different community Um, that, you know, that's a challenge for, for most nonprofits, I would assume. And yours is obviously no different. You know, I think that's right, Brian. And part of that is driven by capacity. In the United States alone, there are 1.5 million nonprofit organizations that are actively at work today addressing all kinds of issues and missions. But 75% of those groups have annual budgets of $500,000 or less. 
So they're doing important work, but with a very limited capacity. So the opportunity to have a full-blown marketing campaign and raise awareness of that important work that's taking place can be a real challenge for many nonprofit organizations. Absolutely can. Absolutely can. Let's talk about Wings of Hope and the development over the years. I know when I did the tour of your facility, um, you walked me through a lot of the development, whether it was the addition of new planes, um, the addition of you, you know, going to new countries, which you just told me about here before we jumped on this podcast episode, you know, some new countries that you guys have now partnered with. Um, tell me about just how it's kind of developed over the years. Oh, I'm happy to do that. So we have continued to serve, as I mentioned, in countries around the world. But then about 19 years ago, we realized, my goodness, there's quite a few people right here in the United States that need our assistance as well. So we started a medical relief air transport program to move people from their home communities to access specialized care not available where they live. So for example, Brian, you might have a child with a severe orthopedic issue living in rural Kansas, and there's just no orthopedic surgeon available there. So the general physician might say, okay, that child needs to go to St. Louis, Missouri for help at Shriners Hospital or Children's Hospital. And that can be an incredible burden on families. So we remove that stressor from families by providing free flights as many times as it takes back and forth from the treatment center to home until the patient is fully recovered. And we do about 200 of these flights each year. Wow. Yeah. So like you're saying there, I mean, this is this is more than just, you know, in third world countries, you're doing things right here in our backyard, as well as, you know, across this great country of the United States. And um, I think that's really, you know, really powerful uh, of both ways that you obviously impact um, our communities. Talk to me about you know, how those individuals get connected with Wings of Hope. Is there um, um, like a, a lottery system or is there some type of system that those individuals enter into? And then you, I mean, obviously you can only choose so many a year, uh, but how do you guys pick those cases? Yeah, absolutely. You know, our criteria are very simple. If you need help and we can help you, uh, we will do our best to fulfill uh, your needs. Now, our planes are limited somewhat in, in the range we fly. We fly generally about an 800-mile radius around St. Louis, but we have plans in the future to become a coast-to-coast -coast operation. So, Right now, if you're not inside our range, we'll probably refer you to someone who also is in this public benefit flight space that can help you. Um, we don't look at financial criteria at all because we know the, the funds that you would spend uh, to pay for air transport would be devastating to any family, regardless of income level. Largely, people hear about us through word of mouth or they hear about us from the hospitals that we work with as a service that, that case managers and caseworkers can offer patients. Hey, you know, you're, you're living in St. Louis, but you need to come to Cincinnati. Have you ever considered flying with Wings of Hope? And so we really appreciate uh, our, our hospital friends who were able to make those kind of referrals for us. Absolutely. Well, and, and you just bring up another question that I had for you, which is really the logistics behind all of this. Um, when you're talking about these overseas flights to these countries that are far, far away from St. Louis, Missouri, 
Um, and you're talking about the size of planes you have. Obviously, they, there's those gas tanks aren't going to be able to hold enough gas to get you there in one one stop, right? So talk to us about just the logistics behind it and you know, your team and how they work to plan each individual trip um, to get, you know, to get your planes and your, and your volunteers and your staff over to those, these countries? Boy, that's such a great question, Brian. And, and the good news is most of our international work happens in country. So we believe in kind of a teach a man to fish approach. We'll select a nonprofit partner in each country that has an aviation program, but needs some help. Uh, maybe a new plane or new parts or help fundraising. And that's where we come in and really make them sustainable so they can grow the number of people they're serving, whether it's in Kenya or South Africa or Belize, whatever the case may be. So once a plane gets to its destination, it lives there and continues to serve the people of that country. Now, to your point, getting those planes there can be a real challenge. Depending on the distance, if we're sending a plane to Africa, very likely we're going to take it apart, put it in a crate and ship it uh, by by boat to get it there. There are times when we fly planes to our partners in Latin America. And in fact, Brian, I'll just share this brief story. One of the things on our mind is the lack of people filling the aviation pipeline. And so we've worked with our, our, our great partners at Boeing and at Merits to develop a program to address that, to inspire young people to enter the field of aviation. And it's called Soar into STEM. And one of the things that these high school and middle school children do when they visit Wings of Hope is actually work on an aircraft that's going to be put into service in one of our, our countries that we work with. And so the, the students last year worked on a plane, they took it all apart, they understood how planes work. And then when that plane was back together, off it went to Paraguay, where today it's serving so many people and literally saving and changing lives. So those students got to see Here's a plane I touched with my hands here in St. Louis, touching lives in another part of the world. And getting that plane from here to Paraguay took about a week of flight time. And we had to plan very carefully all the fuel stops along the way. And you can imagine all the paperwork as you move from country to country. And fortunately, Brian, there are people in that space that help you plan all these these to address all of these challenges. So we've enjoyed working with some really great people to make our flights seamless. Absolutely. Well, like I said, I, I had to imagine there's some logistics that goes behind the scenes on those. And and yeah, I, I could only imagine uh, from a paperwork perspective and just uh, getting approval to, from uh, airspace and, and all of that um, has to be a pretty lengthy process to make a trip happen. It's not like you just pick up the plane and go. Um, but let's let's touch on the planes a little bit. I know uh, I know the answer to this question, obviously, but uh, from my time uh, being with you, but um, for the people listening to this episode, talk to us about how you guys get the planes. You know, an airplane is not exactly the cheapest thing in the world to purchase. Um, and so how are you guys uh, able to you know, get these planes? And, and if you've got, how many of these planes do you guys have actually at Wings of Hope or in the surrounding countries that are you doing your mission? 
Well, thank you, Brian. Yeah, the planes certainly are at the heart of what we do. And we simply could not do it without the generosity of our donors. Just like donors will invest their dollars uh, into nonprofit organizations and volunteers will give the gift of their time, some of our donors decide to give the gift of their airplane and they will donate their aircraft to us. We become the owners of that aircraft and we're able to use it uh, all across the world where it will be, it will do the most good for it for as many people as possible. So right now we have about 20 aircraft in service across the United States and across the globe. Uh, and we're so, so happy about that. And, and we're always looking at ways of upgrading our fleet and always happy to speak with anybody who maybe is at the end of their flying career or they're just looking for a different aircraft and they want to sell or donate an aircraft. Uh, we're always open to, to receiving donated aircraft. Absolutely. Well, that's obviously mission critical in your guys' mission. And so uh, I wanted to, to share that with everybody listening today. Let's shift gears ever so slightly. Um, obviously, 2020 was a very challenging year for a lot of organizations, a lot of nonprofits, a lot of businesses, a lot of individuals for that matter. How did COVID affect the mission of Wings for Hope and your guys' work? So when COVID first happened, those early months of 2020, March, April, it really had an impact on us. Certainly here in the United States, when hospitals were focused on emergency cases only and, and COVID treatment, seems like so long ago, but uh, it, it, it really wasn't. And because many of our patients are not in a critical condition or emergency condition, like the example of a child with a necessary orthopedic treatment, um, many of our flights were, were rescheduled for much later in the year. And now we're seeing the, the, the fruit of that. Uh, and so many of the flights that were rescheduled then are happening now. Now, regrettably, across the globe, that's not necessarily the case everywhere. We're seeing still some of the partners that we work with struggling to provide service because COVID is spiking so rampantly in some of our countries. We have a really strong partnership in the country of Colombia. They do fantastic work flying in uh, nurses and physicians and surgeons to do uh, life-saving work over 48, 72-hour period, but they're not quite there yet like we are in the United States of being able to do that on a regular basis. So our thoughts and prayers are certainly with our partners, and we're working closely with them to see what can be done. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I think, as I said earlier, the, the uh, COVID effect, if you want to call it that, really affected a lot of people. And um, every time I have a guest on here, I usually ask that question just to see how it impacted their organization. And, and obviously, you're no different from, from that aspect that um, it had a lot of effect on individuals, but uh, organizations, nonprofits and companies uh, there of like. And yeah, I, I know it doesn't feel like that long ago, but I, uh, and I just was telling you, I flew uh, home today from Cincinnati um, and, you know, people are still wearing their masks in the airports and, and the planes. And I uh, Southwest said today that that's going to happen until at least September of this year. And then they're going to reevaluate and kind of see what's going on for there. But, you know, other than that, a lot of people have kind of returned to quote unquote normal or the new normal or whatever you want to call it. But to your point, there's a lot of countries out there who are still 
very uh, very badly being negatively affected by uh, by this virus and yeah our hopes and prayers are with all those people that that they get the you know the vaccines and the reliefs that they need so um fingers of prayers and our thoughts are with them today and now for a quick break we bring in our sponsor enterprise bank and trust member fdic enterprise bank and trust knows that every business and every person is unique that's why they get to know you in a way that the large financial institutions don't they are our banking partner here at the STL Leaders, and I highly recommend that you check them out. To learn more, visit enterprisebank.com. And now, back to this week's episode of the STL Leaders Podcast. Let's shift to leadership. Um, obviously, you're the CEO of Wings for Hope in, in, in your career. And so when you think of leadership um, from a holistic perspective, how do you, what's your view on leadership and how do you as a person lead? Well, Brian, thank you for asking that. Leadership to me means not necessarily being out in front uh, always, but running alongside your colleagues. And and I guess that sort of is my way of thinking about a, a leadership style called servant leadership. So if you think of a traditional organizational chart at the very top, you have the shareholders in, in a for-profit world and the board of directors in a nonprofit world, and then the executive that reports to the board of directors. And then below the CEO is the, the staff and all the people that roll up to the staff. And finally, you get to the direct service people who, frankly, are the most important people in the organization. They're literally the ones saving and changing lives of your customers and, and your patients. So I believe in taking that org chart and flipping it on its head. So the board, the CEO are pushing upwards and providing resources and removing roadblocks. So those people on the front lines have exactly what they need to be successful. So every day when I meet with my staff or a group of volunteers at Wings of Hope, I always ask them, what roadblocks are in your way? How can I help? What else can I do for you to make your life just a little bit easier? And I believe that's a sense of, of what it means to be an authentic leader because you're really listening to the people who are serving your clients and you're taking into account what their needs are and you're showing each and every person a measure of respect for the great work that they do. Absolutely. Well, what I love about that is I've, I've obviously had a lot of leaders um, on this show and uh, we talk about leadership in just about every single episode. And I've had a lot of leaders tell me that they're a servant leader and, and, you know, um, explain why they are and all that. But I've never heard anybody explain it in that way where you basically flip the org chart upside down and you push upwards, you push your, your help upwards to the staff, meaning that, you know, those people who are actually doing the work, you know, those are the ones that are uh, impacting and changing lives, like you mentioned. Um, and what a good way to describe that, because to your point, I, I'm a firm believer that people are your biggest asset, whether it's a nonprofit organization or a for-profit organization. And a true leader that understands that will absolutely do whatever they can to make sure that those employees are happy, that they like to come to work, that there's no roadblocks in their way. And that's exactly what you're doing as a servant leader for your organization. 
And I really like how you described it. I think it was very, a very um, unique way of describing it, but I think it really shows really your view on leadership and what servant leader means to you. You, you, you mentioned there a little bit about, you know, a for-profit company having a board or uh, uh, shareholders and then a nonprofit having your know, like board of directors. You know, when you look at your career, um, you know, working for nonprofits a lot, I, I'm aware of, and for, but for-profit companies, what's the difference between running a nonprofit versus running a for-profit company and, and how you lead each organization? You know, Brian, I have the privilege of being able to teach nonprofit leadership at a couple of local universities here in their master's programs. And when that question comes up, I, our students, we always talk about the difference is really transactional versus relational. And what do I mean by that? When you're working for a corporation, uh, for example, retail, you may walk into a store and purchase a new shirt and you give the money, you get the shirt, and that's the end of the transaction. You don't necessarily know uh, the person who sold the shirt to you. You aren't do buying that shirt to fulfill an intrinsic need. You're buying that shirt for a very practical, extrinsic purpose, so you look really good and, and all that. But nonprofits are different. We People invest in us, their time, their talent, their treasure, because we are relational. We align that donors or volunteers values and beliefs with our mission. We're really not selling anything to anybody. We're enabling them to support something that they love and that's very important. And over time, they want to invest their time, their understanding, all of the things that they can bring to the organization in a long-term relationship. So it's very much about relationships in the nonprofit sector. And, and Brian, I would say that's absolutely uh, the key, focusing on mission uh, and not necessarily just making, uh, having higher returns uh, with, with a financial success. Absolutely. Well, and I think you know, a little bit of them go hand in hand. And, and um, some people may not agree with me on this, and that's okay. But um, I feel like if a for-profit company can get their employees to believe in the mission as strong as a nonprofit company can get those employees to believe in a mission, that for-profit company would do a lot, lot better than they're probably doing today. Because people that usually work for a nonprofit, yeah, they're working there to get a paycheck, right? That's, that's obvious. Everybody has to get paid. Unfortunately, we have to have money to make the world spin. But the most people that I meet at nonprofit organizations work there because they truly believe in the mission of what that nonprofit is doing and they have passion and enthusiasm behind it. And I think if a, a for-profit organization gets, can get their employees to feel and think the exact same way as most nonprofit employees do, uh, I think you'd see a major difference in the company culture. Um, whereas at, at a nonprofit organization, at least most of the ones that I know, um, you can definitely see when you walk into an organization that the people there are are serving a mission and and they're doing what everything they can to really um, push that mission forward, and the paycheck just comes. Um, and so I think that's a, a really good point to to point out when you're we're speaking of the differences between the two organizations. You know, Brian, you're so right. And you know, I've really seen a change. So many of our corporations now are doing a great job being aware of, hey, our people 
want to have meaning in their lives as well. So they will provide paid time off to go volunteer in the community with organizations like Wings of Hope. Or, And that's maybe a message for all of us. Regardless of your role, what you do to, to make a living, finding a way to fulfill your purpose and your passion, whether it's through your job at a nonprofit organization or volunteering with a nonprofit or your house of worship or coaching a kid's uh, team, we all need that purpose and uh, we all have that opportunity. And so um, that's always been a, a key for me to think about, well, what is my calling? What is my purpose? And f- fortunately, I've been uh, honored to have the opportunity to live out that purpose every day at Wings of Hope. Absolutely. Well, and you just brought it up another point that comes up in um, these episodes quite often when I'm, I'm speaking to a CEO or a leader. A lot of leaders say to me that um, what makes a good leader is somebody who gives back, uh, gives back to their community in some way. So whether you're a CEO of a company or whether you're a, a salesman in HR outsourcing company like I am, um, trying to find a way to give back to your community uh, makes you a leader. It, it makes you, uh, it, it brings out the leadership in you. And so we talk about that often this uh, show is, you know, if you're not involved in a, an organization, whether that's your church or a nonprofit organization, uh, you'd be surprised at the impact that that not only can have on that organization, but the impact it can have on you as an individual. So uh, when I, you know, wrap up these podcasts, I really always ask my guests the same question, every time, which is the whole goal is to try to leave somebody with some advice. So Brad, as we end this show today, if you could leave our guests with one piece of advice, whether that's on life in general um, or business or the nonprofit world, whatever that is, what advice would you leave us with today? You know, Brian, I would say set aside time to consider and pursue your purpose. No matter what you do for a living, we all have the opportunity to pursue that which gives us meaning. And for me, as I mentioned, I find that at my work, but there are so many other ways to go about that. And, you know, a a good way to think about it as you're thinking about your purpose is to ask yourself two questions. Question number one, what is it that breaks my heart? And then question number two, what is it that really makes me come alive and excites me? What activities or skills do I have? And if you can think about marrying up those, the answers to those two questions, and I'll, I'll give you an example. Uh, when I first encountered these two questions, it was through a conversation with a filmmaker here in St. Louis. And what broke his heart was the realization of extreme hunger in Africa. And what he really loves to do is make film. That's, that's what he feels really is his, his call as his skill set. And so he moved to Africa and lived on a dollar a day and experienced what that was like and then brought all of his filmmaking skills to that and created a beautiful documentary to raise awareness about what it was breaking his heart. And so I would encourage everyone listening today, think about what it is that breaks your heart. Is it seeing animals uh, being unfairly treated? Is it cancer that's touched so many of us and trying to find a cure for that? Whatever it is, then what skills do you have that you can actively uh, contribute to make a difference? And I think that'll start getting you towards your purpose. Now, I will say, Brian, I'm an ordained minister. And so 
I like to take that a step further. And uh, one of the, the pieces of scripture I think about a lot is Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding, but in all ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. So being open to where you are being called and fulfilling that purpose um, is also a really good thing for people to be aware of. Absolutely. And what a, what a great Bible verse, by the way. I uh, appreciate you sharing that with us today. Brett, on behalf of myself and the STL Leaders Podcast, I appreciate the work that you guys are doing at Wink for Hope. I think it's really neat that we have that right here in our backyard. I would tell anybody listening to the show, go visit Wings for Hope, their website. I know they do a gala every year to help raise money for their mission. Um, and I know Brett is open to talk to really anybody if you're interested in either volunteer volunteering for Wings for Hope or want to be a donor. Um, I would definitely have, ask you to check them out. Find Brett Heinrich on LinkedIn. Um, but Brett, on behalf of us here at the STLers podcast, I appreciate what you, you're doing and thank you for coming on today. Brian, thank you so much. What a pleasure and uh, really a, a great honor to be with you and your listeners today. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the STL Leaders Podcast. Stay tuned for next week's episode with Jennifer Bardot.